0: We are concluding our sermon series of the ways in which God calls us to steward all of what we are given. Today, we will consider how to faithfully steward our life, both our individual as well as our communal life, particularly at life's end. I invite you to imagine. Imagine that you are part of a church in the fifth decade of the Common Era, so therefore you are gathered with fellow Jews and Greeks and pagans in about the year 50, 20 years after Christ's resurrection. You're gathered in Thessaloniki to hear a letter from your friend Paul, who taught you about Christ and taught you about this new way of understanding God and your life in God. Little do you know that the letter that you're about to hear is going to be preserved from generation to generation and it becomes the very oldest writing in our Christian Bible. So as you're gathered with your friends in Thessaloniki, you don't have a Bible, you don't have any of what we are privileged to have today, but you're going to have this very first letter. Like the others present, you believed that salvation was at hand with Christ's imminent return, and you had expected his second coming any day now. So that as your friends and family died, despair began to creep in, and you were very clearly asking, what will happen to them since they died before Christ's return? And maybe not voiced out loud, you would also be thinking, what's going to happen to me? So Paul's letter begins by praising your, I quote, your work of faith, your labor of love, and steadfastness of hope. And he reminds you that you have everything you already need. The way you are living exemplifies what it is to be a faithful Christian, and little do you know that the way you live will inspire generations to come and in places far beyond your wildest imaginations, including those of us gathered today in Chicago. Before I read from this precious letter, I invite you to pray with me, please. Dear God, through your spirit, settle us into this time and place just as you settled those first Christians. Silence in us any voice but yours, and let your voice linger in our hearts and minds. May your truth startle us of your love that is beyond our wildest imaginations. Teach us to live as those lived whose lives were infused with the gift of faith and hope and love. We offer this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Now listen for God's word as I read portions of the fifth chapter of the letter to the Thessalonians. Now concerning the times and seasons, my brothers and sisters, you do not need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. But you, beloved, are not in darkness for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light and children of the day, We are not of the night or darkness. So then let us not fall asleep as others do, but let us keep awake. Let us put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has destined us not for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we live with him. Therefore, encourage one another. Build up each other, indeed, just as you are doing. Here ends our reading. Now you can buy an app for your smart devices called WeCroak. Its graphic image is a red frog that pops up on your screen or your watch at random times of the day with the intention to remind you at any time One day you will die. (laughs) Quite simply, we all croak at some time and a time we never know. In Apple's App Store, it's listed under the category of health and fitness and has a four out of five star rating. (laughs) We were... uh, in the Culbertson room, wondering, is it under health and fitness because the uh, uh, creator doesn't want to be in spirituality, or is he really thinking that this creates your health and fitness? Either way, um, the creator was inspired by some uh, wisdom from Bhutan that says c- contemplating death five times a day will bring you happiness. So along with this little red frog that pops up on your phone or your um, your watch, you'll also have a quote. And when you click through to the quote, let me give you a few samples of just what I encountered from writing this sermon. And it is because you don't know the end and purpose of things that you think the wicked and the criminal have power and happiness. I thought this very appropriate for Veterans Weekend. At its core, perhaps, war is just another name for death. And yet any soldier will tell you, if he tells you the truth, that proximity to death brings with it a corresponding proximity to life. After a firefight, there is always the immense pleasure of aliveness. Another one. Death is only the end if you assume that the story is about you. And lastly... Whether or not enlightenment is possible at the moment of death, the practices that prepare one for this possibility also bring one closer to the bone of life. Now, some people might think it's morbid to be reminded each day and every day that we will die. They'd rather say, oh, live joyfully and live. Don't be such a downer. But until you've been diagnosed with a serious illness, suffered an accident, had to say goodbye to someone you loved who died, endured abuse, or have faced a mortal struggle, you may truly not know the sweetness of life. So in church, we talk about the truth of all of our lives. Death is as fundamental as birth. Before God imagines us into being, we are with God. Throughout life's race, God cares for us until we finish, and our baptism into Jesus' body promises that he will take us into eternal rest. Yes, our baptism promises us that death is no more. The way we steward our life at its end is highly dependent upon the way we have stewarded all the days of our life. Now, the Christians gathered in Thessalonica first clamored to the promise of grace that Paul preached. Unlike the pagan religions from which they turned The God that Paul served would forgive their faults. The God Paul serves lavishes them with hope to begin again each day, and this God assures them of salvation. The wounds inflicted upon them and the burdens they carried became lighter in this new faith. Jesus' promised return sheltered them from the fears of death, and so therefore they could endure the struggles of daily life since despair of death was gone Removing the fear of death opened them up to see the stranger as a friend, not an enemy. Like never before, this church included Greeks and Jews and pagans, people that they'd never known before but now came alive through. And without death's sting, sharing replaced hoarding and forgiving others relieved them of grudges and renewed these precious relationships. But yet, death still existed. As they waited Christ's imminent return, some of their friends and family had died, and their confidence began to wane. So they questioned, how long are we supposed to wait? Paul answers simply, wait. But such anxiety prompted Paul to describe for the first time a triad that will continue to unfold in subsequent letters to churches in Ephesus and Corinth and Rome. Faith, hope, and love are not randomly chosen Christian virtues, nor are they simple emotions that we might think. Paul writes, Jesus offers a breastplate of faith and love to protect your heart, and on your head, Jesus places a helmet of hope. Now, faith is the confidence in the gospel itself, and however ethereal faith may sound, it opens the heart to believe the truth of God's love for you and for others. And this love animates your faith in concrete actions to feed the hungry, include the outcast, and care for the least, both within and beyond this Christian community. Hope, hope is the firm expectation of the return of Jesus Christ. It possesses the resilience to withstand the reality of struggle and pain, and it anticipates that God's goodness will prevail over all else. The crash helmet deflects any false notions of salvation, and it protects against slipping into the devastating abyss of despair. Paul does not dismiss the reality of death for them or ever for himself. But when you keep your heart, soul, and mind fixed on Jesus in this life, you will continue to feel Jesus' constant presence with you as you move beyond this mortal realm. It'll be said many decades later, Jesus is the way in this life, and Jesus is the way to the life to come. Now stewardship of life at its end begins by learning to hold on to hope throughout life. Paul describes hope as a helmet of forged metal. Protect your mind from slipping into false promises or something that's rational or only visible. More commonly, the ancient Christians represented hope as an anchor to study your life in turbulent waters. So those ancient ideals of such strength might resonate with you. And if not, consider those who taught you your faith. And As I think about those who teach the faith of this congregation, those who've passed who taught us the faith, I think of those we laid to rest from the greatest generation, who'd withstood the devastation of the Depression and World War II. When I think about them, and I think of all of their names, and you know their names as well as I, they stood ramrod straight. They were erect as if they had a backbone of steel. And you have to wonder, did basic training produce such a posture? Perhaps. But more likely, it prepared them for the depths of struggle that they would endure, which is where I imagine hope was forged into their spine to sturdy them for even more. While witnessing the worst that humanity could do to each other between people and countries, they carried hope and they prevailed. And they returned to families, work, and school. They created legacies, and they remained attentive to fish- to their faith, worshiping God and serving Jesus. One of the saints we laid to rest, although he was a builder of magnificent buildings, would humble himself nightly to kneel at his bedside in prayer, asking for forgiveness and strength for another day. Most of us did not know that until after he'd passed. We're grateful for a woman who was called to love others through the intimate care of nursing, and that's what she did by the ways in which she approached bedsides and touched one another. And as often as possible, she sought the Lord's Supper because she would say that communion with Jesus was the thing that restored her soul. They stewarded each day in faithful obedience to God and with a hope for the future. And for them, it was a both-and, They taught Sunday school and they served as trustees and they stood firm in families and careers for the principles of their faith. It didn't end on Sunday morning. It was the way they lived every day. When one entered a hospice bed, we heard him say, I don't want to swallow any more pills. Just let me die. I know I will live again. And there was the woman who would repeat every morning as she woke in her hospice bed, why me? Why was I so lucky? As she stood surrounded by her family. And there was the woman who inspired us who asked to see the water once more. And she said, I know that the creator of all of this is not finished with me. Friends, no one takes away your hope. When someone is not well, we hope for an accurate diagnosis. When illness persists, we hope for healing cures. And when the treatments lose their effectiveness, we hope for full and rich days in hospice care. And at the time of death, we hope our loved one will pass with peace, both for them and for us and at the lip of the grave, we feel grief and love, and we speak of a hope that protects us from despair. We hope in the promises of life and life beyond life, just as we are to live every day as stewards of life. We are granted such a short stay in this mortal flesh, so stewardship of life at its end calls us to care for people every day of life and to let them go. Charles Schultz is the creator of Snoopy and the Peanuts Gang comic strips. He articulates Christian theology by sketching common life with simple figures and just a few words. His comics and movies distilled relationships and growing up's challenges in ways in which children and even adults can understand. There's a single-frame comic that depicts Charlie Brown and Snoopy sitting on a dock, gazing at a horizon, joining sky to water. Charlie Brown confides to his best friend, we only live once, Snoopy. But Snoopy's imagined response is wrong. We only die once. We live every day. Canine Instincts recognizes the rhythm of life and the reality that we will all die one day. No one, no animal, no child escapes this fate. And we do not know the day that we will die. So we are to live. We are to live each day. A wise minister once observed that the worst thing to bring to a funeral is a bag full of regrets. So my friends, we are to fully experience each day as within God's care. Love and forgive, win and lose, play and rest, work and rejoice and sing. Swing out wide for life does not last forever and let your life be guided towards the hope that rests beyond the horizon of your sight. Life eternal as revealed by Christ. May it be so my friends. May it be so.